welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. Good morning, church. It's such a blessing to be with you this morning, especially on Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. I personally am very thankful for a day that reminds me to celebrate those who are so important to us and who have sacrificed and loved us so well. Our call to worship today is from Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Onze wonderlijke Hemelse Vader, wat een wonderlijke voorrecht is dit, om als een gemeente hier bij elkaar te kan komen. Heer, en ons is eerst in zie om u te loven, te prijzen, te dank. En dan bid, Heer, en ons beleid dat ons die woorde het om dit naar rechte waarde te doen. Heer, want u is ver verheven, hoe wat ons ooit kan doen, wat ons kan sê. En Heer, ons is afhankelijk van u en alles. En ons wil kom beleid dat daar geen ander God is behalve u nie dat daar geen ander verlosser is behalve ons Heere Jezus nie, dat daar geen ander trooster is behalve die Heilige Geest nie. Ek bid Heere, dat u vir ons sal help, dat ons ons focus altyd op u sal hou, en dat ons dit wat die wereld vir ons aanbied, Heere, dat ons die daan vastgevang sal word, maar dat ons getrouw aan u sal bly. Dankie Heere, wat ek vir ons as een gemeente kan bid. En ek wil vir elke een bid Heere, wat dier moeilike tye gaan, Ek wil bid vir hulle wat financieel sikkel, heren, dat jy sal voorsien. Ek wil bid vir hulle wat syk is, heren, dat jy vir hulle sal draad, heren, die syke, vir hulle vrede sal gee. En as het jy wil is, dat jy ook geneesing vir hulle sal bring, asjeblief. Ek wil bid, heren, vir hulle wat op die pad is, wat reis ons dink aan, en zek en die kul en die kinders wat terug in Amerika, dat ons vraag dat jy vir hulle veilig sal neem, en dat jy die hand van bewaring ook oor hulle sal hou en dat jy vir hulle sal sien in hulle ouwerskap en die grootmak van hulle kinders, en dat dit ook sal wees tot die eer. Heere, ek wil bid vanmorgen vir die kerk wat vervolg word oor die wereld. Ek wil vraag, Heere, dat jy ook daar die manne wat jy woord verkondig, Heere, op een bybelse manier wat vervolg word oor die wereld, dat jy vir hulle die kracht sal gee om vast te staan in hulle geloof, en om nie terug te duins nie en dat jy vir hulle sal draai, heren, dier hulle omstandighede. Baie dankie dat ons as een gemeente vir jy vrylik kan aanbid, vrylik by mekaar kan kom, en dat daar geen vervolging nie by ons is. Heren, is een sening uit die hand uit, en ons prijs jy ook daarvoor. En nou wil ek ook bid, heren, vir Brian, dat vir ons die boodskap kan bring, dat jy vir ons sal sien, en dat jy ons oore, ons gedachte sal oopmaak, heren, dat ons sal inneem wat ons hoor, en dat ons dit gaan sal gaan uitlewe tot die eer. Ek bid dit in Jesus en al. Amen. Let's continue in worship with wonderful, merciful Savior. Please stand again with me if you would. Wonderful, merciful Savior. 
precious Redeemer and friend. Who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? Oh, you rescue the souls of men. You for this morning, for this morning's text, is Exodus 2. Now I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. Exodus 2. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, while her young woman walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. 
So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. All right, good morning. Good to, uh, good to see you this morning. And uh, I'd like to wish our mothers a very uh, blessed uh, Mother's Day. And I hope that you'll be able to uh, enjoy the day and that um, you'll be appreciated, especially today on this uh, day to set aside to remember. And it's good to have, good to have those days, isn't it, to uh, remind us to give special attention and thanks to those that um, have been such an important part in our lives. And that's one thing I want to uh, focus on this morning. I'm going to make a bit of a, a break from the uh, series before we get back to uh, chapter 3 in Ephesians. And this morning, we'll look at this topic of the impact of mothers and how God uh, desires to use them. But I, uh, the message really is not just for mothers, uh, because in reality, God wants to use each of us in His plan, uh, whether man or woman or, or a young person. God has a, has a plan, and He has a plan to use us for his purposes, for his honor, for his glory, and to uh, to have an impact in other people's lives. And so as, as we look at uh, this passage from Exodus chapter 2 with uh, the parents of Moses, uh, just um, think about the, the principles that we're talking about and apply them to your own situation because they they apply to us all. As you think about a mother, a woman um, <clears throat> that would no doubt many times feel like they're limited in what they can do, limited in uh, what they can accomplish. It seems like everything could be working against them. If you're a, if you're a mother today, you have many challenges and many <clears throat> many things that would um, uh, seem to uh, demand your time, <clears throat> and you could really begin to think, can I actually do anything or accomplish very much in the bigger picture of what God wants to do with my children? And as we think about this story of um, Moses' mother, Jochebed, uh, I can imagine she probably felt pretty helpless and was wondering, "Is can I really do anything? Everything working against them. And you may be uh, you may be a mother here this morning, and like probably the majority of of us, their children have already grown, and they're no longer at home, and uh, you can't uh, you can't go back you can't go back and redo things that you think well I, you know if I'd if I'd I wish I'd done this or wish I'd done that, and it's always easier to look back and and see how we could have done things differently, but we can't do that, but we can. <clears throat> We can we can move forward, can't we? God still has things for us to do, whether it's in the life of our children or in the lives of other people's children or other people. God wants to use us. He has a purpose uh, for us in His service. So I want to encourage you this morning uh, that God has a plan for you as His child. He has a plan for your uh, service. In various places in the Bible, we see how that 
women had a, a significant role in God's plan. Go back even in the Old Testament, you see uh, even in a culture where women uh, were not uh, given much opportunity, um, they were actually kept from many opportunities in many of the ancient cultures. Uh, they were not many times allowed to have property and um, had limited rights. And so it's quite, uh, it's quite interesting how much significance God gave to women's role in uh, his service and accomplishing his purposes. We see in this passage in Exodus chapter 2 how that various women were used and highlighted in the, the ruining of Pharaoh's plan. If you remember uh, from chapter 1, his, his plan to um, limit it, the growth of Israel, the nation. And uh, think about uh, the midwives, for example. Uh, Pharaoh you know, had commanded them to kill the babies, and yet they, they refused and uh, defied the command of the Pharaoh to not uh, carry through on, on this command. Uh, also, the mother of, of uh, Moses, Jochebed, she, and also the father, uh, Amram, although he's not uh, named or mentioned in this uh, in this passage, he was also involved and uh, had a part in this plan and this uh, purpose that God had and the plan that they had worked out. It's also interesting that none of the none of the the women are named. None of the people in this passage are named. They're, they're just referred to as the mother or the or the Pharaoh's daughter or those kind of things. And it may be to keep our focus on God and what He was um, accomplishing, His His sovereign working behind the scenes, so to speak, uh, in accomplishing His purposes. <clears throat> we also see the sister, um, Miriam, who, who was used. And then obviously Pharaoh's daughter, although not a believer, uh, she was used by God because of her compassion uh, for this crying baby without. And so all of these things <clears throat> work together. And, and it's interesting in this chapter how that, uh, that the the, these women are highlighted in this plan uh, for uh, this protection of the, the baby Moses. And <clears throat> this account in chapter 2 is... Uh, it's, it's one of the one of the, the stories, one of the accounts that most children, at least in Christian homes, would be aware of and would have heard. Especially if they were involved in in Sunday school at church or something, they would have they would have heard this story. And it's a beautiful story of a of a, of a mother's love, a parent's love, and God's sovereign care and control in a situation, a very desperate situation. And it's uh, one of the things that we forget. Or we don't. We might be aware of it. But we don't think about it much. Is the uh, the situation or the context of suffering that uh, they were experiencing? Uh, it would have been a terrible time to be a mother. You think about, especially an expecting mother, uh, with these decrees coming from the Pharaoh and your slaves in this land. You really don't have any power. And now Pharaoh's 
creed that uh, the, the midwives kill the babies, or baby boys at least, that are, that are born. And, um, and then he you know, commands that everyone be involved. His plans aren't working, and he's getting more desperate. And uh, it would have been a terrible time to be a parent. You would no doubt feel very, very helpless. If you remember the context, the, the, the Israelites had, were continuing to grow, and the, and the Pharaoh and the Egyptians were beginning to uh, be concerned about their power and their growth. <clears throat> and so they enacted some things to reduce their... Um, or trying trying to reduce their power, they they started by making them slaves, and then um, <coughs> excuse me, when that didn't help, uh, he made their their labor more difficult, but that didn't really seem to accomplish anything either. either. And so then then he began with this plan to uh, kill the the boys that were the baby boys that were born, and uh, the midwives. Um, we read from chapter in chapter one verse sixteen that they. Uh, they didn't obey, and they made up the story that, about the, the Hebrew women being different, or the mothers being different in their labor. And so, so, so they uh, they defied the king's order, and they <clears throat> chose. Scripture says to obey God rather than the king. And uh, there's a foreshadowing there, isn't there, of uh, of what God expects of us? We put Him first before in his will first, before everything. Well, and then finally, all of the Egyptians were commanded to be involved in um, killing these baby boys and throwing them in the river, throwing them in the Nile River. Well, indeed, a uh, very dangerous time for the Israelites. And as we apply these truths to us, we, we too live in dangerous times. Our circumstances are far different from that of the Israelites. We don't, we don't have the same kind of danger that they had. But we still have the same enemy. We still have Satan who's working again <clears throat> against God's plan. He's working against uh, God's people and the world. This world system that we're in is working in opposition to God's will and to uh, the plan for the family. And the more you realize what's happening in society, uh, around us, all around the world, we realize that uh, Satan in, is very active to stand in opposition to God's plan. He's staying in opposition to the family, the family structure, and uh, we are in difficult times. It's a very, it's a very difficult time to, to train up a child to love and honor the Lord. But God's still in control, isn't he? Regardless of how difficult the, the time becomes, the, the culture becomes, society becomes, um, we can rest in the confidence that God is in control and that God stands ready to help us and to work through us. Well, I want to begin thinking about this reality that biblical faith is a working faith. We've talked about this many times, but... Uh, the, the reality of, a, of a, a genuine faith, when God does this transforming work in a person's heart, they are a new creation. They're new people. And because of that, uh, they, they're changed. They work. They have works. Not just doing things, but they are 
people that um, reflect the change that's taking place on the inside, put it that way. And so a biblical faith is a working faith. That's what James 2 is talking about when he says faith without works is dead. In other words, a someone who claims to be a believer, but yet there is no evidence in their life of any transformation, no evidence that they love the Lord and, and want to want to uh, live for Him. Uh, James is saying that's not uh, real faith. It's not, a, it's not a, a living faith. Well, Jacobed had a working faith. Uh, in reality, the Scripture says that both parents, the Jacobed and Amram were people of faith. If we go to uh, Hebrews chapter 11, you know, remember that chapter? It talks about you know faith and it gives all these examples from the Old Testament. By faith, so-and-so did this, and by faith, so-and-so did that. And in, in verse 23, it says, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and that they were not afraid of the king's edict. And so here we see these parents, <clears throat> their faith in God, to the point that God would record that faith uh, as an example for us in uh, this record in Hebrews chapter 11, their faith was, was not just a static faith. In other words, they, uh, they didn't just... Um, uh, Say, God, you know, deliver us, and then stand back and wait for God to do something. They, they exercise faith, but this faith of theirs caused them to, act, to move in action, to cause them to do what they could do. And God uses us that way. He, he is the one who has all the power and all the ability, but He often chooses to work through us to accomplish His purposes. And so certainly the case with parent, parenting and parents. And, and it's often the case with us in uh, how God wants to help other people. Uh, we can pray for others, but meantime, God wants us to also get engaged in helping, uh, encouraging, and doing things uh, to help others. And so we see this intersection with these, <clears throat> with these parents. We see this intersection of faith and action faith and works uh, that were uh, engaged to uh, carry out this plan to save the baby uh, Moses. Think about, the, think about this plan that they worked out, and, and we have to acknowledge that even the plan was by God's grace. This, uh, in this, whole, uh, this, whole, this whole story that took place with Moses was all about God's sovereignty and God's grace. And yet God was, was using these parents to carry out that plan. And uh, so even in the planning, no doubt God was giving them uh, wisdom. But they started out by hiding the baby and just a few months uh, that didn't, they realized we can't, we can no longer hide the baby. And so they had to come up with this plan to, to put the baby in the river. And that um, seemed like a, would seem like a strange plan, no doubt. Uh, but it wasn't just a blind chance or a hopeless abandonment. Uh, there's, there's evidence from the, <clears throat> from the, the text that uh, Jacobi actually chose the, the location 
and had the plan for the Pharaoh's daughter to find the baby. We're not sure about that, but she was at least planning for Miriam to be there, the, 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 the sister, to be there and to know what to say and when to say it. And, and so there is this uh, foresight, um, this planning. Uh, there's this desperation. Yes, it was a plan of desperation from her part, but it was, um, wasn't a hopeless plan. It was, it was her, their best effort in, and at the same time trusting God to do what they couldn't do. There was a lot in this situation that was out of their hands. And so they were trusting God uh, with what was beyond their ability, but they didn't just sit back and fold their hands and say, well, there's nothing I can do. And so there's this faith and action working together. As we apply this truth to our own our own situation, we, we also are admonished to act in faith, to work, uh, and yet depend upon God at the same time. And so these, these two work together. It's not, it's not enough just to say, Lord, protect our children. But we must also be active in uh, allowing God to use us in His uh, will, in His purpose, to protect our children. As, as we think about the world around us, the evil influences in the world that seems to be ever-growing, uh, it's easy to feel helpless. It's easy, to, it's easy to feel like, well, there's really nothing that we can do. And we think about the, the philosophy of the world. We, we think about the impact of the Internet and the television and media and uh, other friends and the school system and all of these things that seem to be becoming more and more corrupt, more and more worldly, more and more anti-God in the, in the morality of, um, that God has given us as a, as a standard. We, we see the need to protect our children, protect our grandchildren, to protect uh, uh, being you know, involved in any ways that we can to, um, to provide care and protection but uh, ultimately, we, we must trust God. We must uh, pray for them. And we see in the effort sometimes of uh, parents to protect their children, uh, some parents will totally isolate their, their children uh, from anything that's perceived to be uh, the world. And to some degree, that, that is a, isolation is a good thing. But uh, when they're very young, you know, you, you obviously want to protect them and, and limit that exposure to the world. But, but uh, total isolation is really not the answer, is it? Uh, we, we see some parents trying to do that. We, were, we went to a wedding not long ago, Sharon and I did, where um, a number of parents had kind of, you know, isolated themselves in the Eastern Cape, out in the middle of nowhere, basically. <laughs> And they were all homesteading, and not that that's wrong or anything, but you just see this uh, this desire to, you know, to have their children all around them in the home and never never be exposed to the, you know, the schools or other children or, uh, you know, the world in any way. But that's not really the answer. That's not what uh, God left us here for. God didn't leave us here to isolate ourselves from the world. Uh, if, you, if you think about uh, John 17, uh, let me go back there. Um, if I can find it. There he is. 
in John 17, uh, Jesus, you remember in that chapter, is praying this high priestly prayer for the disciples and for us. And in verse 14, he says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. And so he's talking about protection here. He's, talking, he's praying that God would keep them. That he would protect them. That's the idea of there is keeping them from the evil of Satan. It was their enemy in the world he's talking about here, this world that hates them. But notice the answer. He says, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify is, is the word to, to, to set apart or to make holy. And so what, what the Lord is praying for us about is that through the word of God, that we would be protected, that we would be set apart uh, from the world, that we would be made holy in the world or while we live in the world. And, and so we see this, um, this reality that God has left us to be in the world, but not of the world, that we're to be in the world, but that we're to be salt and light in the world. And as you apply this truth to our, to our children and to, to young people, we can't uh, totally isolate them from the influences of the world, but we can inoculate them from uh, the evil of the world and provide protection for them even when we're not there or even when they come under temptations in the world. There is this protection. We've, um, we're still going through this uh, COVID-19 situation where we've had isolation, but that can only go so far. And now there's the, the push to, uh, to have the vaccinations where we can, can be protected even when we are exposed. And that's the idea. It's the idea of the word of God in us so that we are protected. We're uh, inoculated to, to a degree. We have, we have something that gives us energy and power to resist the, the, the evil influences of, in the world around us. And that's what we want to, want to give to our, our children. We want to give them the ability to, uh, to, to face the temptations of the world and to, like these um, uh, midwives, choose God, choose to do right and resist what was easy. We'll see that as a as an attribute of Moses also as he, as he gets older. <clears throat> Secondly, we want to notice in this, um, this principle that God works uh, through parents not only to protect them, but also to prepare them. In Exodus 2 and verse 10, he, <clears throat> he uses this word that when the child grew older. And uh, that word just uh, basically means to become strong. And it's used in different different ways, but in this case, uh, he's talking about this baby being uh, old enough and strong enough to be on its own. And we really don't know what that age was. Um, but as you you know, go back and read from historians and those that uh, study 
and read various accounts. Um, there's varying opinions, but somewhere between two to five years would have been the age that uh, children were considered to be uh, weaned and old enough to um, to be on their own, or, or not on their own, but with someone else rather than the mother, um, be able to uh, care for themselves to some degree, and not not totally dependent upon their mother. And so, uh, as you think about some of the studies that's been done uh, by uh, scientists and and the sociologists and various people in the studies of uh, related to the development of children, uh, most everyone agrees that these first few years are extremely important. And many would uh, many w- would say that you know this first three years, especially for the the impact of the mother on that child, is critical. And in, you know, in, I know in the U.S. that uh, there's movements to try to um, to change a trend of um, mothers just dropping the kids off, you know, to the daycare or the nursery and uh, going back to work. And they're trying to get mothers to stay as long as possible with uh, with their babies and with their young children. But uh, nevertheless, it's obvious that God has given uh, children to parents, and it's particularly to mothers, that they could... Uh, impact their lives, not only physically, but also spiritually and emotionally for those uh, critical first years, especially. Um, no doubt, uh, Jacobed and her husband Amram used those first few years they had to teach Moses about God and about his promise God's promise to the nation of Israel, the Abrahamic covenant, and those principles that God had had revealed to them, uh, you know, the story that, uh, <clears throat> that in God's providence, the Pharaoh's daughter, you know, allows this child to go and stay with. Well, she, I don't think she even knew it was the mother, but uh, this the little girl comes up. Can I? Should I get someone to to feed the baby for you, to nurse the baby? And she says, "Sure, and I'll pay the wages." <laughs> that's a, that's quite an amazing thing. Only God can orchestrate uh, that kind of arrangement where the enemy of God's people is now paying for the care of the deliverance that would come <laughs> to the to the people. And so <clears throat> uh, the baby was able to stay with the mother, and um, these parents knew they only had a few years. We don't know exactly for how long. Maybe maybe as many as five years, three to five years probably, that they would have uh, until that child would be out of their home, and that child would be under, under the care of these pagans, people that did not know their God. They taught, you know, to worship all these various gods and various pagan ideas. And so they only had uh, a short time. And, it, and if we knew that we only had three years, maybe five years, you know, how would we, uh, what would we do differently? <laughs> or would we do anything differently? And it's not just for parents that we can ask this question. If, uh, if, we, if we knew we only had just a few more years, 
what we do differently in our service for God and how we are being used to impact other people. We only had that short amount of time. Well, we don't know that. And so we're admonished to live every day for the Lord. And every day is if the Lord's coming back today, right? That is uh, the expectation that we're to have is that the Lord is coming today. And we need to live for Him today and serve Him today. Well, the, the wisdom uh, sayings from the Proverbs uh, are, talk about this importance of this, the impact that, uh, that we have in these early years. If you remember uh, Proverbs 22, verse 6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, that's a, a truism, a wisdom saying that, uh, that God's design and plan <clears throat> is that parents train up, that they teach, that they discipline, uh, that they admonish their child in the things of the Lord, that they teach them the way of the Lord. Each of us are born heading our own way. As we grow up, we, we have our own way, and our own way is opposite to the way of the Lord. No one grows up and on their own says, well, I'm going to live for the Lord. I'm going, to, I'm going to yield my way, my desires, and I'm going to be willing to sacrifice what I want for what God wants. That's just not natural, is it? <laughs> and so as parents, we have to train our children to depart from their way and to turn to God's way. And that's, you know, in every area of, of not being selfish, controlling our anger and our temper, of uh, uh, you know, loving, caring, uh, being polite, all these basic things. None of that comes natural, does it? And, uh, and so <clears throat> we are to train them, direct them, turn them to go God's way. And when they get older, it, be- it becomes a-, a pattern of their life. Now, obviously... Uh, as you think about salvation, regardless of what we do as parents, we can't give our children faith. That's something between them and the Lord. But we, by God's grace, can be used by God to to direct them in that way, to prepare them, to prepare their hearts to trust God by what we teach and by what we model for them. If we model a life that's dependent upon the Lord and trusting the Lord, then they will much be, be much easier for them to to follow in that same pattern of faith by God's grace. Obviously, God must bring about that transformation in their life, that conviction of sin, that uh, realization of what Christ has done for them. And so, regardless of how good a job you do as a parent, um, you can't take the credit. It's all God's grace. And regardless of, uh, of the, the actions of the child, you can't take all the blame either. <laughs> you, are, you are living by God's grace. And if God does something in the child's life, you have to say, praise be to God, right? Say, praise be to God. Well, nothing is said about those first few years. Uh, we don't have any record of what took place in the home there of... Uh, uh, the life of Moses in those first few years, but they must have had a tremendous impact on Moses. 
because for at least 35 years, um, he was trained in the wisdom of Egypt. And that would have included uh, the religious teaching, the, the morality or lack of morality of, of the Egyptian culture, all the pagan ideas. And yet, we read a little bit further in that passage in Hebrews 11. It says, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. Now that word there, uh, by faith, when he was grown up, it's the same word that was used in verse 10, interesting enough, where it says that Jacobeg kept the baby until he was grown or until he, until he was you know, old enough. It's, it's the idea of becoming strong. And here it's applied to Moses when he's right around 40 years old. We, we learned in, I think it's in Acts uh, 7, where Stephen's giving you know, his, uh, his message to the, to the Sanhedrin in this council, the Jewish council. And he talks about Moses. And he says that Moses was, a, was, was trained in the wisdom of Egypt and he became a mighty Mighty man in word and deed. And so we don't, we don't know what, what all took place in those years, but Moses has now become, grown up through the ranks as this uh, son of the Pharaoh, a, a mighty man. And uh, there's uh, some Jewish historian and uh, talks about all the, all the works and mighty deeds of Moses, and, and obviously we can't verify any of that, and probably a lot of it's exaggerated. But uh, we do know that he um, was taught and wisdom and would have been taught to be a, a leader uh, and taught how to lead a large number of people and would have been instructed in all those ways. And, and God had a plan. God used that plan to teach Moses. But the thing I want us to see this morning is that look at the rest of verse um, uh, that, that chapter, Hebrews 11, verse 24, it says, when he, when he had grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And so Moses made a decision. Uh, he, in growing up, we don't know what the imp impact he had. We don't know what influences he had from God during those adult years. But we have to believe that those first years with his parents had a lasting impact in his life. Uh, that God used them to instill in him the truth of who he was. And he was part of this promise of God, this covenant of God, God's people. And they were, he was no doubt taught in that and to love the Lord and to serve the Lord. And even as a, as a young child, we mustn't uh, underestimate that influence in those early years that God and His Word can have upon the life of a child. And so God used, uh, God used that time. By His grace, God continued to work in Moses' life so that uh, uh, when he was an adult, he identified himself, maybe not Maybe not openly. He probably never told the, uh, you know, the Pharaoh or those in charge his decision. But in his heart, he, he said, those are my people. 
those Israelites are my people. And, and one day it came out in anger when he was when, when one was being beaten and he accidentally kills this um, person that was uh, the Egyptian. And so, you know, the, you know, the trouble that caused him, he had to flee. But that didn't that didn't happen just on that day by accident. It, it was something that was already in his heart, uh, the, the identification that he had made with God's people. And so he was he was already had already embraced who he was as a follower of God. And so he had rejected, even though it meant wealth for him, prestige, power. He had already rejected that as not his own. And so God obviously was working in Moses' life. But I think I want us to see is that the impact that these parents had in just those just those few years. We see a similar preparation with uh, with Hannah. You remember in in uh, in one Samuel chapter one and how she dedicates uh, the boy Samuel to the Lord and in her commitment to give him to the Lord. If the Lord would just give her uh, a child, that she would she would give him to the Lord or dedicate him to the Lord. And we know that when she weaned uh, Samuel, a very similar situation in that he was to leave home. And although he was going to serve in the temple with Eli, the, the priest, and she, he would be a helper there in the temple and serve, it also wasn't the greatest of circumstances. Remember, um, Eli's sons both had um, uh, turned away from, from God and and were a bad influence, but she had this time to impact her son, and, and no doubt she did. But in a very real way, we as Christian parents should have the same attitude as Hannah, is that our child, our children, belong to the Lord, and God has entrusted them to us for a short time. We don't know how long that time will be. If God's gracious, they'll be you know, 18, 20, or maybe, maybe a little older, and they'll be out on their own as adults. They'll be <clears throat> starting their own families. Uh, but we have a short time. And as you get older, you look back, you realize, well, that's a short time. It goes by just like that, and it's gone. And so we, we, have to, um, we have to see that as a way, in the way in which we serve the Lord. I've run across um, many times people who are in ministry, and uh, uh, to, to the neglect of their own children. And um, by God's grace, the Lord has in, in helped us and put us in a situation where when we had children still at home, uh, I was at home also. I was, as, you know, as, a, as a pastor, church planter, I was able to work from home. And so I was also there and engaged. And, and God um, gave us the... Uh, the wisdom, I would say, to to realize that our children was a big part of our ministry. Uh, we we were in, involved in ministry to other people, and that's demanding, takes time, and all of that. <clears throat> but I think many times we get the idea that I got to get out of the home to serve God. And sometimes I think mothers feel like I'm just trapped here in the home, and you know I, just, I need to I need to get out and do something. And God has given you the greatest ministry that you can have right in the home. Uh, ministering to those children for a few years 
for a few short years. And so God used them in His plan. So if we are in a situation where we still have children at home, let them, let them see your love for God. Center your life around the Word of God and God's plan, God's will for your life and the life of your children. Let that be what motivates you and what drives you. And because it is often true that they catch more than they, what's the, what's the, how's the saying go? The, um, um, more is caught than taught, I think is the way it's said. But it really is, it really is true in many cases that regardless of how much you teach, they need to see it. They need to see you not living perfectly because none of us are going to be able to do that, but they need to see you applying God's Word to your life in the life of the decisions you make and the priorities that you have. And that has an impact. It has a, has a great impact upon their lives, and God would, can use you that way. God, could, God doesn't need us. God could send angels to take care of children and protect them and to instill in them values and to uh, wipe their noses and do all the practical things that we do as parents and to give counsel even after they're grown and out of the home. Oftentimes, we, our influence doesn't have to end when they leave home. And if uh, we have developed the right kind of relationship with them, it, it should continue on, but on a different level, obviously, but it continues. And so God wants to use us. God has chosen to use parents in His plan for children. Well, faith causes us to work, but it also causes us to rest. Aren't you glad for that? Uh, we, we work and do what we can do, but it's not all dependent upon us, obviously. If it were, it'd be, be a sad state if it was all dependent upon us. We have to depend upon God and His grace. And so we can rest in Him. Do what we can do. We only have so much time, so much ability, so much energy. And so we do, we get busy doing what we can do, and we trust God for His working in their lives and in their hearts as they grow up. Well, as you look at this larger context of the parents of Moses and how God used their faith, we see the sovereign hand of God, don't we? That's one of the big themes through the Old Testament is God's sovereign working His plan. We're using people to accomplish His purpose. And we see God working in this story in particular. As we look at the bigger context, God is providing a Savior. He's providing a deliverer for the nation of Israel. And as Moses was used by God to to bring this deliverance out of the bondage of Egypt, he would become a, a figure, you could say a prefigure of a coming Savior, of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, who would, who would deliver us out of our bondage to sin and to death. And so as, as we think about our relationship with the Lord, the fact that we're, we are believers in Christ, we're in Him, we have hope. Because God has given us this hope. It's not just for now, not just for you know, the day-to-day problems that we face, but for eternity. We have hope in Him. And regardless of how bad the world gets, we are able to rest in the reality that God 
is a sovereign God who has all power and all provision. And we can go forth in that confidence, serving God, knowing that he is still at work. I read about someone uh, the other day that uh, said that they didn't want to have children because the world had become such an evil place. In other words, they didn't want to raise children to grow up in this world. Well, I I can appreciate the, um, the sentiment or the concern that that parent had or that adult had that didn't have children, but it disregards God's purpose for us in the world. Uh, God has placed us here in the world. He's left us here in the world for a reason. He wants us to be the salt and the light in this world, and He wants us to raise up a generation that would love Him and serve Him. And so that is a great purpose that we have. Because of Christ, we have already won the victory. We can rest in that confidence and go forth in the victory that has been won for us. Well, there's there's many... There's many things that are beyond our control, things that we can't change, but there are many things that we can do. There's many things that we can, we can do as parents, that we can serve the, God, the Lord. And one of the things that we can do as we think about and summing up uh, our thoughts this morning is that we can order our lives according to God's will. And we find that will in, in the Word, Right? God's word is the revelation of his will for us. And so we must center our lives around the word of God, trusting God, asking for God's wisdom to make decisions day to day, big and small, based on the principles of God's word. What would God have me to do? And and just and dedicate ourselves to that purpose, to, to our lives and the lives of our children, if God's given us children, and, and put us in that place. We can prepare our children uh, to live for God, to serve God. We're admonished as parents to raise them up. And you, you can think of a, of a vine growing on a trellis and how that that grows up, but that needs, it needs work, doesn't it? It needs pruning here, and it needs tying there, and it needs care. Otherwise, it's just going to be a mess, right? It's going to just kind of grow up and fall over. And so raising of children has this image of of training them up, and it requires discipline and instruction in the Lord, as we're told in Ephesians 6. And so those two go together. They work together. And you, you notice this admonition or this instruction of the Lord. And that that is the putting of God's word into their minds, into their hearts. And, uh, and we do that, as we said earlier, by, by not just, you know, quoting a verse. We do that by letting them see how God's word impacts us, how God's word affects what we do today, how we do this today. It's a practical imp- implementation of God's word. It's putting it into their hearts and minds. And the discipline is, is the turning, turning them from their own way, turning them from their own rebellious nature to, to the direction of the Lord. <clears throat> Ultimately, we can pray, can't we? We can, we can trust God. We can 
pray and seek his will, seek his wisdom, seek his grace for our lives and for the lives of our children. And that should be an ongoing thing. That shouldn't end when the kids are out of the home. We say, well, I'm glad that's done. I'm glad that's finished. And, and I know some of you that don't have children, you're also engaged in praying for, for other parents' children's uh, children. And God wants to use us that way. He uses us, many of us that are older, He uses us uh, to be examples. We may not have an opportunity to have that direct impact and influence, but God can use us as examples of people who love God and want to live for Him, want to serve Him. And by God's grace, we can be that. We can be that for Him. We can be that person that God can use uh, to impact other people's lives. Whether that the impact seems small, it seems minuscule. It may not seem like we're accomplishing much, but um, uh, God can use it in the life of someone that we might not even be aware of. We may not be aware that someone's watching us or someone is taking any attention to what we're doing. But oftentimes we only learn later that what we did back then or how we did it impacted somebody and encouraged them in a time when God wanted to, to encourage them. And God used us to do that. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. And Lord, we thank you that... <clears throat> that you have chosen to use us to impact others. And we pray especially for parents this morning and for mothers this morning and the impact that they have on their children. We pray for your wisdom. We pray for your strength for them. We pray for fathers also this morning, realizing the great responsibility you've given them to lead their homes and to direct uh, their uh, families, their children, uh, towards your way. And I pray, Lord, that you would, um, you would bless them in their endeavor to do that, that you would help them as they seek to, to balance uh, all the responsibilities of life and the struggles of finances and the pressures that they face and the onslaught of the evil one with all the evil influences that their children will face as they grow. So I pray that you would um, enable them to have wisdom to impart the truth of your word to their children by word and by example. That they might live for you. They might know you and that uh, you would use us, Father, each of us in our own way. Many times we seem like uh, may not be accomplishing very much, but Lord, a little as much with you as we thank you for that, Lord, that you can do great things uh, through us if we will yield ourselves to you. And so, Father, we pray that that, that would be our heart this morning, that we would be that, we would be that um, like Hannah, that uh, dedicates uh, the child to the Lord. Lord, may, uh, may we approach you with that same heart attitude that uh, we belong to you and that everything that you've put in our power belongs to you. And it's given to you in your service. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.